It's rain-making time! It's rain-making time! Woo! It's rain-making time! It's rain-making time! That's right, it is! That's right, it is! Woo, you guys are good. <laughs> For those of you who are interested in fast-tracking your ability to find anything, answers to deep questions that you have about your lives. You're looking for resources. You want to know who could be your best clients, what clients not to be involved with. Anything you're looking for, any type of resources, you lost your laptop, you lost your cell phone, or you're trying to find somebody that's missing, missing in action. Whatever it is that you want to find, in 2014, if you have not heard about the ancient art and science of dowsing, you are truly not with the times. This body of work is so ancient, the records have carbon dated back to 8,000 years in cave paintings of dowsers with devices in their hand locating water. The reality is that some of us live in states like California and other places of the world that are declaring a state of emergency because they are saying there's a drought, there's no water. If you know about dousing, you know that there's plenty of water everywhere in every state in every country of the world. So I want to invite you to listen very carefully to the president of the American Society of Dowsers, a scientific and educational nonprofit organization whose mission is to support, encourage, and promote dowsing and dowsers in a manner consistent with the highest standards of personal integrity and behavior, to provide dowsing and training to dowsers and non-dowsers alike, to bring them to a level of proficiency that they are comfortable with to promote and foster communication and fellowship among all persons in any way interested in dowsing. We've had wonderful people on who are dowsers from Raymond Grace to the late Bill Cox, but there is nothing like talking to the leadership of the American Society of Dowsers to distill in 2014 what is happening with the organization and how dowsing has expanded around the world what we have to look forward to. They have an upcoming convention in June that you should all go to if you're interested. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the woman who's been over 25 years with the American Society of Dowsers, longer than most marriages today. Welcome Sandy Mack to It's Rainmaking Time. Good morning. Good morning, Kim. Thank you so much and such a delight to be participating in your incredible mission of this planet. Thank you very much. I became very excited and interested in dowsing in 2004 when I brought Bill Cox both to radio and television that I was doing back then. You know, every time you ask somebody to explain it who's been doing it for many, many years, everybody has their own fantastic translation that adds more robustness to what it is. I'd like to invite you to give your version of what is dowsing. I think of dowsing as a very ancient art slash science slash skill slash tool slash whatever you want to say that allows you to access information that is not ordinarily available with the five senses. So it's more than just working at an intuitive level. A lot of people will say, well, I don't really need to use a dowsing instrument. But I say, okay, so you say you can find water. 
how many feet down, how many gallons per minute, how many uh, percentages of things like cadmium or arsenic or toxic metals. How can a, a psychic just give you that level of precise information? So it's usually working with a tool, although we do sometimes do what we call deviceless dowsing, to be able to access information. And I believe that any information, like you were just sort of saying, that exists in the universe is available and accessible by dowsing. Now, you need to have a little bit of training to be able to ask a clean and clear question, but the information is available nonetheless. And that is the, that is the gift of dowsing. That's the beauty of dowsing. And that's the hope that dowsing offers with the uh, current situation going on in the planet. You know, I could understand that maybe some very conservative people would look at dowsers and say, ah, oh, that's kind of crackpot stuff. That's not really real stuff. That's not geological stuff. That's esoteric mumbo jumbo. But actually, knowing what we know now about the quantum field, about parapsychology, about remote viewing, about the findings of what is even considered the mind and non-locality, if people are rejecting dousing today when you can prove that it works right then and there, then they're just not with the times, wouldn't you say? They're not with the times. They're caught up in some old fear and some old products and some old paradigms, you know, and it's perfectly okay. The water's still there. <laughs> dowsing still works and the information is still accessible. Um, it's a challenge. It's just a challenge because in many areas there's still a lot of fear and confusion and people that are so confirmed as skeptics that regardless of the evidence that you present before them, they're just going to stubbornly hold on to their own ideas. And that's okay. We can still move forward. You know, when the intelligence agencies like Army Intelligence and other types of agencies begin to use dowsing and are interested in the work, just like they are in remote viewing, and you know that the mining companies use dowsers. Absolutely. You know, it was funny. I was in a Trader Joe's about 10 months ago, and I'm sitting in the egg section, and now they have all these different types of eggs. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so verklempt. What's one egg from the next? There's like 10 different types of eggs and all these distinctions. And I started to laugh, and the guy standing next to me said, you know, you should just have this kind of egg or whatever because ultimately they're all the same, and they just name them different. And then, Anyway, we started to talk. He was a former SCIA agent. He had traveled all over the world, and I don't know how we got to the subject of mining. He goes, oh, my God, all the miners. I used to be there. The miners use dowsers. They fly in dowsers from all over the world. The thing is, it's a secret for some reason. It's like a well-kept secret. Why? I think because of old superstition. I think because uh, until recently they couldn't talk about quantum physics, um, and I think because powerful things that they can hold in secret, give them more power. For sure. I mean, you would never have the mining companies outwardly say, we're using dowsing to locate what's under the ground. Yes, and I know, and I know of dowsers that were paid as much as $5,000 a day for major oil companies in their R&D department to locate, um, to locate oil, to locate other minerals and locate such things. Absolutely. This is another part of how you know that even if it's not mainstream, it's used by people who are in the know. And that makes it also very exciting. When you first got to the American Society of Dowsers over 25 years ago, 
things were very different. It's like the perception and access to it wasn't as available as it is today. Am I correct or am I incorrect? No, that's quite correct, Kim. I was introduced to dowsing. Well, I, I, I thought back several times, and I think I heard about it when I was young. And then I lived in northern Wisconsin briefly in my early 20s, in the 60s. And I remember having to have a dowser come out to figure out where we were going to drill a well for the house. But I don't even remember watching him and, and really understanding the magnitude. I thought, well, that's what you always do when you have to drill, go drill a well, is you need to go find the person that can do the, the dowsing or the water witching or the divining or whatever you want to call it. And it seemed like a normal thing to me. I lived in Europe for several years. When I came back, I took a class on pendulum dowsing from a fellow out of California. I don't remember the name, man's name. And it blew my socks off. I was just blown away. It was like, oh, my God, you can find out this, and you can check for vitamins, and you can check, is this in my best interest? Is this in my highest and best good? I mean, you can check for anything. It was like a two- or three-day class, and it opened my eyes. I was so excited and so enchanted. I was like, oh, boy, this is really the cat's meow. Then I met a woman in Houston where I was living at the time, who was a trustee with the American Society of Dowsers. She was a professional dowser. She made her living that way, and her husband was as well. He was from England. And she said, you know, you should go to the American Society of Dowsers. They meet once a year up in Vermont. And I was like, Vermont? I mean, I'd never been to Vermont. And she said, no, no, you've got so much to offer, and this would be great. So, like I said, it was a couple years before I could even get up there and find a place to stay. I go up there to this little village, which is just like something out of the 1800s. And Vermont, for people that don't know, is kind of an interesting state for the new, new, for the eastern area or New England area. It's kind of got this energy like, whether you like it or not, kind of like Texas does to the United States and Bavaria does for Germany. It's kind of like, don't, you know, we'll let people be, but don't screw around on us. This was the, the Green Mountain Boys and the Revolutionary War and stuff like that. They're pretty free-thinking people up there in a lot of ways. And here's this little village with a little village green in the middle and all these people running around. Now, now they had half an hour between the lectures and the classes, and it was always held in September. So sometimes it would be cold and freezing and ice and sleet, and you'd have to walk between the old fire station or the Masonic temple or the Catholic church or the English school at the high school or something like that to listen to these dowsers talk about things. Now, I'd already been dowsing for several years, and I thought I really knew this stuff, but in, I wanted to take one of the dowsing trainings. And they said, well, you, you have to start at dowsing 101. You can't do anything else until it's like, well, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to go take basic class, but that was the law. So I took it, and it was just amazing because we had old fellows there. I used to kind of call them old codgers, but that was, you know, a very endearing term. They would, like, climb out from under the rocks and bushes, and once a year they'd all come and meet in this place. And these were the most incredible people. I mean, I found, like, it was like these are my people. This is my family. They were open-minded. They were spiritually um, astute. They were very generous and philanthropic. They were um, tuned into all kinds of stuff, and they were so willing to give and share. It was just amazing. And so they knew, for example, in this town where the pipes were, how many feet down. Were the pipes half inch wide or an inch wide or two inches wide? Were they made of copper? Were they made of brass? Were they made of 
whatever. And so they would take us out in the field and have us learn to douse these things, and it was verifiable. Yes, it's three feet down, and it's made of two-inch copper pipe. So that was incredible training, and I was able to really train with some of these old people that are now what we kind of call um, endearingly sky dowsers. And um, and these were the people. Some of them had brought in more than a thousand wells to their name, and and they were there to just teach the young ones and teach us how to how to douse and how to how to make a difference in the world. And I just treasure those days. I treasure those memories. I treasure those people. And because they were they were the forerunners, they were making the difference. I'm very excited, though I don't know how it will happen that young people can have access to this terribly important ancient art and science. How do you think we could get children to be available and make this available to them? You know, we do nearly always have some kind of children's programs when we teach dowsing at the conferences and in other areas. And we have some people that really specialize in that. And children are excellent with it because they don't have the blocks. They don't have all that programming and negative stuff that they have in so many places. So they're, they're excellent at it. And we love to teach. I always, when I teach a dowsing class, I never charge for a, a young person to come in. And um, they're just naturally gifted. We, are, we have some ideas actually in motion right now about getting out in more areas. Um, in Tucson area, they taught it in some of the schools. They taught it through the library. They call it wizard training. Isn't that fun? <laughs> and um, so, so that's been an ongoing goal. But sometimes I think people are just so centered on surviving and making a living and all the rest of this stuff. It isn't until they get a little older they get interested in some of these, um, some of these bigger projects and bigger possibilities. But yes, that is a big goal that we have is to get everybody turned on to that. I think the future of dowsing being able to become more accessible to more people is going to lie with the transmission to the youth and not just depending on people that are middle-aged or in their 30s, et cetera, to use it. Because obviously the television and radio networks won't put it forth or the people who want to cover it may not be able to cover it. I really want to talk to you about emergency preparedness and how dousing should be considered. And people, one way of preparing for a potential disaster is to become a dowser and to be able to call upon it in an emergency, just like we talked about the other day on the phone. You want to speak a little bit about that? Yes, I think that's so important. Now, one of the things that we say when we teach dowsing, an idea to keep in mind is need, not greed. So that if there is a situation that is really important, let's say it's the middle of the winter and the six-year-old child has wandered off and is lost in the forest or the mountains, you're going to be much more likely to find that little kid than you are dowsing the lottery ticket. Do you understand what I'm saying? Totally, totally. So need not greed. Even if someone is not a, a highly skilled dowser, they're likely to have much more degree of accuracy and success if their intentions are... Uh, to, to be of service. Um, one of the things, and I've uh, been aware of survival preparedness and changes on the planet, etc., for many years and taught different classes and trained with different people like Tom Brown, the tracker, and different things like that, looked at it from a practical as well as spiritual perspective. 
But I've always thought if somebody just had a pendulum or, or a dowsing tool or even a skill, you could tie a string to a rock, for goodness sakes, and do it, um, you could make such a difference. If you're looking for uh, edible food, is this, is this plant poison or is it something that would be safe for me to eat? Even if you think it's safe for you to eat. For example, dandelion, which is a great food, for detoxing and all that stuff. If it's growing right next to the highway, it's been observing, absorbing lead from the, uh, from the automobiles and trucks that go by. So that one is probably not a healthy one to eat. You see the distinction in that. Totally. But for example, let's say, let's say first responders in a, in a, in a emergency were trained to douse, uh, Katrina, the hurricanes that hit the East Coast the tornadoes that are hitting Oklahoma, and even some of the weather stuff, the the mudslides up in Washington. If the first responders, firemen, any of the first responders could pull out a pendulum and they could say, for example, is there anybody alive in this structure? Are there any pets here that need to to be rescued? Are there, are there more people alive or wounded or that can't or aren't in a position to respond? Is this home or this structure structurally safe where we could go in and look for somebody? Is this water safe or contaminated? Um, how soon can we expect a certain kind of help to arrive? I, I encourage some of my students to just for their own um, develop of their own precision to douse hurricanes. Let's say they say, oh, there's a hurricane that's going to hit the East Coast or the Gulf Coast. Start dowsing. When is it going to make landfall? Because that'll be an official time. Where specifically is it going to make? And what is the highest, for example, highest maximum winds recorded? All that is information that's available uh, that they'll say, well, it reached maximum speeds of 120 miles an hour. If you douse ahead of time and you've got that, you know you're right on with that. And then you can go into what we would call a dowsing state. Or in silva mind control, when I learned how to go into an alpha brainwave level frequency, you go into that place, you remember when you were successful with dowsing something, you, you bring that memory up and your mind goes into like a resonance attunement with that frequency of accuracy. And then you're going to get much more accurate information. But this idea of using it for disaster uh, situation, disaster preparedness, let's say you're preparing a little bug out bag that you keep in the back of your car. Am I going to need this? Am I going to need this? What's the most likely thing I need with this? You know, even when I go out of town now, I douse which clothing I need to take because it might be some completely different than I thought. I went to do some work down in the Bahamas in Bimini a few years ago, and I was dowsing my clothing, and it said to bring my down ski jacket. I said, this is ridiculous. I'm going down there to do some scuba diving and do some work in, in locating Atlantis ruins, and it said, bring your, bring your down ski jacket. This is ridiculous. I refuse to pack it. And, of course, I get down there, and one of the biggest hurricanes that hit the East Coast hit. It was so cold. My friend and I were using blankets from the hotel wrapped around us to keep warm. And if I had my jacket, I'd have been warm. So I, I, I continually laugh at about the wisdom that can be accessed with dowsing. When one is dowsing, what is one accessing? Because the formation of questions is everything. How the question is asked in not only in dowsing, but in everything, in broadcasting, in communication, exactly. in solution delivery. will determine the clarity of the response. Yes. And so 
in your experience, professionally and personally, what is the dowser accessing to retrieve the information from, the yes or no from? I think that varies. I actually have a chart that I give out in my basic dowsing class, and it says, to whom am I addressing my question? So you might be addressing it to the Akashic Records. You might be addressing it to God, however you perceive that. You might be addressing it to the nature spirits or the overlying diva of the land. You might be addressing it to the spirit of the water. I think that it varies from person to person and situation to situation is my, is my opinion after all these years. Is it too private to ask you who you usually address, or do you call in everybody? I don't even think about it. I use the protocol that we use, kind of a standardized thing, which is can I ask this question, may I ask this question, and should I ask this question? That helps us get in alignment so that if we have some interference around us, we can get rid of that. We have permission. We're not getting into somebody else's business, for example, may I? And um, and maybe I'm not maybe I'm standing on a detrimental energy line, or it's a wrong phase of the moon or something, and I'm not going to get clear information. Maybe I'm not don't have enough water, and I need to get more hydrated. So that by asking those three questions, can I ask? Should I? And one of my early teachers taught me a different system before we had the can I ask? Should I? Which was she called it the three P's: prayer, pr- protection, and permission. So it kind of covers the same thing. You're asking to align with the highest source, etc. But when I go to that chart, which was given to me by someone else who's now a sky dowser, it always says that I'm dowsing mostly from the Akashic Records. So a lot of times with the research that I do in healing, and I do past life work, and I'm also an initiated shaman from the traditional uh, system from the Inca people, <clears throat> the Quechua Indians. And so I worked with these things that we would now call quantum physics because I think the parallels between shamanism and dowsing are so similar. Like you can be more than one place at the same time. You are working with nature instead of trying to control nature. You are uh, trained by someone before ahead of time, often initiated. So those parallels are a real similar thing between shamanism, etc., and they used to laugh at the shamans and the medicine people and people like that. But now it was like, oh, yeah, with quantum physics, what they did, what they do is perfectly explainable. You understand what I'm saying? So yes. even like with healing and something, and maybe I'm checking someone's past life, if it, it, I don't say, okay, I want to go ask the Akashic Records. It just seems to go there to access the information for me. But I'm not primarily a water dowser. Not sure why. I can move veins. That's one of the incredible things that good dowsers can do. Is you can somebody's well is going is going dry. Rather than having to spend ten, twenty thousand dollars to to put a new well up, we can go out and we can do this remotely as well. Find another vein of water, good quality water in that area, and literally ask that vein of water to move into the person's well, and it will move. And sometimes it happens. Within a few minutes, sometimes it takes a day or so. I want to go back to the part where you're talking about, can I ask this question? May I ask this question? Should I ask this question? Yes. I like that because by just asking for permission and asking if you can ask the question, if it's appropriate, if it's aligned, in other words, you can think in your mind that 
it's okay to ask, but it may be none of your business or it may be a mystery and it's supposed to be a mystery right now or the information you'll know later and you're not supposed to know now. Exactly. For example, I had one, t- one of my teachers, and when someone would call her on the phone for a dowsing job, she would douse. Was it appropriate? Can I ask you, was it appropriate for her to work with that person at that time? And she would sometimes say, no, I get that it's not appropriate at this time, but in two weeks it will be. Or go and do this first and then come back and I'll be able to help you. So that's a much more respectful way of working rather than just thinking, we can figure out anything at any time in all circumstances in all places, which is really coming from a place of more ego and arrogance. How does one trust that any of the devices that are used, whether it's a pendulum or what do you call the other thing, a bobber? Bobber, an L-rod. An L-rod. An rod yeah. Particularly for a pendulum, how does one trust what one gets as an answer? You know, you've heard the story. How do I get to Carnegie Hall? No, I haven't heard that story. <laughs> oh, they somebody in the street and said, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Right. Well, I do a lot of practicing. Yeah. So practice, uh, you know, dowsing is something that can be learned in literally a few minutes. It can be learned in that amount of time, but to master it takes a lifetime. So I don't know of anybody that's 100% accurate at all times with everything. And I would say that people uh, seem to develop areas that they are much higher degree of accuracy that they can sort of specialize in or whatever. Um, And as you get your, uh, again, I'm going to come back to frequency and energies, attuned to the frequencies in that particular area, then you will have a much higher degree of accuracy. But that's why I invite people to practice with things that they could verify with, like... Is this hurricane going to hit land when and what's the maximum number of winds? So if they if they hit that at a pretty high accuracy, then they go, okay, I can be accurate about this or I can do these protocols or these steps and I'll know I'll have a higher degree of accuracy. But check for some things, follow up, practice, and then, ch- then, and then go back and verify whether it was accurate or not. So as you build your confidence in, in the dowsing, you'll be able to trust when it is important when it really is important, like, okay, they diagnosed my mother with cancer. Should she have chemotherapy or radiation or try something alternative? When there's big questions like that. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back with Sandy Mack from the American Society of Dowsers. We are living in one of the most exciting and dangerous times in history. Many of us are being challenged to turn away from parasitic systems of enslavement and misery and move into different life-giving activities, commercial opportunities, and communities. Transition is upon us right now. The seizure of the world's natural resources, the poisoning of our food, water, and air, and the total electronic surveillance of our lives is forcing many of us to develop new rules of engagement for being in the world. Doing business today is way more complex and nuanced. The electronic age is a mixed bag. If you want to live in a more humane world, don't confuse electronic communication with real relationships or knowing who your neighbors are or how they're doing or the importance of sitting down with your family and having meals together. This is real life. Practically everything we've been indoctrinated to believe about life and work is out of touch with what's available to us today. New discoveries about non-locality and consciousness are not only mind-boggling, 
They are game changers that require us to embrace paradox and ambiguity. Beings and agencies that insist on using deceptive practices, protocols, and instruments for market and industrial domination will eventually realize they are at the tail of a riveting new industrial complex of markets, projects, and products that they never perceived. This new complex is emerging. Receptivity is a human imperative. Imagination is an agency of transport. The current behind the currency matters. And our children and future generations are counting on us to prepare the way for them. I'm Kim Greenhouse. I'm the chief executive officer of the Rainmaking Company, a manifestation agency, a leadership agency, and a development agency. Feel free to call for our Rainmaking services, both on an advisory and development level, 626-398-8652. And we're back with Sandy Mack from the American Society of Dowsers. Sandy, this 8,000-year-old carbon-dated painting, huge wall painting that was found in tassel cones by French explorers in 1949. Talk a little bit about that and some of the other things that have been found. You know, they have found evidence of dowsing in many, many ancient cultures. There, I've been to Egypt, for example. I've been to the Valley of the Kings down in Luxor, up in Luxor, whichever way you say that. And there are paintings or uh, not just hieroglyphics, but there are, um, I guess they're paintings, I guess you'd say they're paintings, on the walls in some of those tombs of people using dowsing instruments. We have a pendulum, it's called Isis, which is an exact duplicate of one that was used in ancient Egypt. And a lot of people use that pendulum. And um, it's, an ex- it's exactly made. Some of the precision ones are made in Europe, in Poland. For example, I have a friend that has them made and imports them. And um, so this, this goes back. This, they're, they're made biblical references to it. I've gone to um, South Africa. In fact, I just was there in January and February. Uh, with Michael Tellinger to do some dowsing on some of the ancient stone circles. Now, these stone circles relate to a civilization that goes back at least 250 to 300,000 years ago. And I believe that dowsing was a gift to all indigenous cultures. A year ago when I was there, I met with uh, the, the very famous and very esteemed uh, Zulu shaman, a man named Credo Mutwa. And he was talking about dowsing and that his wife's family, her lineage from the Zulu tribes, used dowsing as a way in the, in the African bush to find water. So this has been, I believe, all over the world in all times. They might not have called it that, but they might have called it something different. But in order for the tribes to survive, in order to civilization to endure, they had to have water. Water is life. Water is life. If the tribe, if the, if the wandering group didn't have good water, they would not survive. And a dowser or someone who could locate the water was a critical part of their, uh, their tribal thing. It might have been the shaman, their medicine person. It might have been someone else individually who was gifted with that. They used to think it was just a gift. Now we know that it's a learned skill and that anyone can learn to douse. And I've also found that if there were dowsers in your family, if the great-grandfather, oh, my great-grandfather doused or something like that, 
then you will have, almost at a genetic or an energetic level, a higher propensity to be able to pick up the skill quite easily. Most everybody can learn to douse and learn to douse well. Is that what you found through research, that there's an easier ability to translate and transfer the knowledge? I think so. And then I've started asking people uh, as well. You know, with Michael Tellinger, he said, you know, my dad used to do that. When we were younger, he used to be able to douse that. Or I'll just ask regular people, I'll say, you know, that I'm a douse. And they go, I don't know what that is. And I go, yes, you do. You really do know what it is. It's how they find water. Oh, yeah, I saw that movie. Or my grandpa used to go do that. Or he could find, uh, in fact, I've got a handyman helping me right now. He said, oh, yeah, I used to get these coat hangers and find the underground, um, not just water, but the, but the power lines or the cable lines or where this crossed or something like that. So a lot of people know about it, and they don't even know that that's the name for it. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of what a ley line is and introduce that to the public? And my next question when you get to that is, have you ever noticed the correlation between the way a ley line is and the ability to find water? Sometimes they are related, and there's several different things that sometimes people confuse in terms of ley lines. We also have um, grid lines. Um, there's the Hartman grid that's been identified. There's the Curry grid that's been identified. And there are other grids. And some of these are more prominent because of the increased amount of electricity all over the planet and the electromagnetic energies. In some remote places, these don't exist. But the ley lines, yes, and they have trans- transcend much of the planet in different patterns. There have been a lot of studies about that um, in Europe. Sorry, Sandy, I don't mean to interrupt you, but can you explain what a ley line is to the listeners? Yeah, let me explain that. These are energy lines or energy frequencies which people can identify with a, uh, with a dowsing instrument. And people, by the way, that are quite psychic or energetically sensitive can um, also... When you point that out, they could literally stand on it, and they'll feel something different. They'll feel like, oh, I feel, I feel, um, I feel tingling, or I feel um, warm, or I feel cool, or something like that. They'll be able to feel that energy line. They vary in width. There was some work done a few years ago with what they call the dragon lines in in England. And they and some of these lines have have actually actually been named like the Michael line and the Mary line and where they cross in ancient times people would because they would be uh, energetic spots people would build uh, structures they would build in some cases ancient things um, uh, places where they would do ceremonial rites and initiation things and and places of worship etc. When Christianity kind of came in, often they knew where these spots were, these power spots, and they would uh, tear those down and put a church there. So sometimes you can literally douse, and right where the altar is in a prominent cathedral will be where two ley lines cross, because it's a place of a lot of power or increased energy. So they're kind of like alignments of numerous places where there's the geographic lines lined together, etc., 
there's there's ley lines that cross at Stonehenge, etc. There's been maps like the um, what's the name I'm trying to think of that have done done grids with that. And oh yeah, he passed on last year. I know who you're talking about. They have a whole map for all the ley lines of the world. Yes. Uh huh. And they can they can be tied in with the with the fault lines with the tectonic plates. And people don't think this is science, but they really circle the globe. They connect monuments. They connect sacred sites with these supposedly undetectable energy lines. But it's, they're not really undetectable. They just haven't used the right detection device. Talk a little bit about what the American Society of Dowsers is up to these days and also talk a bit about the convention coming up. We have a convention. Now, we're a nonprofit organization, as you indicated initially, for 54 years that are a 501c nonprofit that are dedicated to expanding dowsing, teaching dowsing, and and um, having chapters. We've got over 70 chapters in the United States where people can get together with other dowsers or people interested in dowsing. And once a year, we have a national convention. Um, it's It's been pretty much always held in Vermont, although we have regional conventions held in uh, California, uh, the Carolinas, sometimes in Texas, and other places. But um, our convention is now held at Linden State College. We sort of take over this whole little college in the gorgeous green mountains of northern Vermont, and we build labyrinths, and we have lectures by a variety of different things, and lots of other applications for dowsing besides just finding water. People think it's just in terms of water, but no, it's many other metaphysical and esoteric and healing and and, uh, spiritual applications as well. Um, it's all run by volunteers, and this is how we generate money to run the organization as well. And um, it'll be held in June, the 4th through the 9th. They could go to our website, which is www.dowsers.org, and you'll get a lot of information about convention. And um, it's just a lot of fun. You're there with several hundred other people that are all interested in that, uh, in that um, subject. I feel like I kind of found my family there. I was like, wow, these people are all spiritually awake and they're venturing outside the box and they're trying different things that have never been done before and they don't care if people think they're crazy or weird or cuckoo. and It's just great. <laughs> we stay in the dorms, although people can stay off campus. The food is great. I say by staying in the dorms, you're glad you don't have to stay in college anymore. The food is great in the cafeteria. We even got gluten-free and organic food. And um, it's about $200, $250 for the whole time to go there. It's great. What are we up to? We're really trying to broaden our vision. We're trying to expand to much bigger levels. We're having a different children's program this year. Uh, we have a philanthropic branch to our organization called Water for Humanity, which has uh, been going since 1991. We uh, go to developing countries and disaster areas and get clean water for people to drink. And it's, uh, we teach them to douse. We, we find the, we find the locations to douse. We, um, we put in and supply the wells. And we've been on several continents already. So that's an, that's an exciting part that we do. We have raffles. We raise money. We're, we just got a grant. We're open to more money because we can do a lot more for Water for Humanity. You know, when you say you got a grant, my understanding is the grants are great, but they're usually never enough to really do the big stuff, the big You're work. Right. And we want to do so much more. We have, 
We have an impeccable record with Water for Humanity now. We've raised several hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've been in 15 countries, and our operating costs are less than 4%. So we have a great track record if somebody's got um, something that they want to generate. And you know what I say is, hey, nobody can disagree that a kid needs a clean drink of water. Absolutely. That's needed in so many places in the world. Now, are you and I in a position to go over there in Haiti or Honduras or India or some places in Africa and find that water and dig that well and get that kid a drink of water so that his mother doesn't have to walk five miles a day, you know, through all kinds of terrible circumstances to get something out of a stagnant, dirty ditch? No, we're not in a position to do that. So if we aren't willing to do that or we can't do that or we don't see the value to doing that, then how about... How about contributing to some people that are willing to do that, that are going into those places that are actually boots on the ground doing the work? You know, last year I signed a deal with a guy who claimed to be able to find water that's beyond the aquifer level and had worked with drillers and was familiar with dowsers. And he said, you don't need to work with dowsers to find this kind of water. Well, it turns out that he was lying to me. He was behind the scenes using a dowser full time. (laughs) <laughs> to find water. The neat thing is that dowsers, I don't know if they're all over the world, Sandy. Talk yes, about where they're located. All over the are world. they? That's why I mentioned yeah. in Cradle Mutua. Yes. In Africa, in this tiny, tiny little village, four or six hours drive out of Johannesburg, is standing there with his wife, and he says, You know that um, a lot of people make fun of, the, of our women and their large buttocks. But he said, This is what they would use in a particular way as one of their systems for dowsing water. He didn't even know I was a dowser. I was sitting there with a small group of six people. And um, I said, oh, my God, I'm a dowser. And I reached in my bag and pulled out my L-rods. His wife went crazy. She said, oh, my goodness, my grandmother taught me to use these when I was a little tiny girl. Of course, I gave her my L-rod. She was so delighted. This is all over the world. One of the things that I've done a few times, because part of my training as a, as a healer and a teacher and whatever, is in past life regression. I've been doing past life work since the 70s. Is a few times at the National Convention and other places, I've done a group past life regression. Back to past lives where someone may have been a dowser. And I'm telling you that information that they brought forth and the drawings and pictures and descriptions of different types of instrumentation was phenomenal. This stuff goes back to Atlantis. We can't prove it. Wow. This is forever. Wow. This is forever. That's why I'm saying this is really a gift from the universe, a gift from God. Culture, Culture civilization would have never survived if people didn't have the way to get water. And in the simplest way and in the biggest way, this is profound. Let me tell you a brief little story. One of our trustees that's from New Hampshire was speaking with an older gal, and she was asking if she was familiar with dowsing, and she said, yes. And she said, well, when did you learn? This woman, who was probably in her 80s or 90s now, I, I think she's still up alive up in New Hampshire, said, when I was a little girl, she lived in Europe during World War II. It might have been Germany. It might have been Austria. She said, when I was a little girl, my father was gone, and I don't know the whole story. If he was 
if he was dead, if he was off in the wars or whatever. But my mother would take my brother and I. She was four or six, and he was four or six. And um, she taught us how to hold this little string with a rock tied to the bottom of it. And she told us, if it swings this way, you do this. If it swings that way, you do that. And it was every day the woman would leave, but she would hide her children in the barn to keep them safe. But she never knew if she would be captured or killed or even come home that night to take care of her children. So she told them every day to swing the little string with the rock on it, and they would know whether to go and hide in the forest or that she would be coming home. That's a beautiful story. It could make me cry, literally. But that's the importance also of dowsing. That's the serious opportunity of dowsing to so be. There you go. It yeah. can be taught to children. You don't need fancy instrumentation. The sincerity and the and the need not greed, and that in the most dire survival circumstances, you can use this to get accurate information. What else in the world, I ask you, offers? that possibility that dowsing does. What else can you determine? Is this doctor in my best interest? Is this vitamin the best for me to take? Should I trust this person? Should I vote for this politician? Or maybe not vote at all. I was just going to say, or not at all. <laughs> should I you should try to douse the electronic voting machines that are used now in most states in America, and you'll find something very interesting out. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Should I use this bank? Should I go out with this person? I mean, people that do internet dating. Have I known this person in a past life? Do we have bad karma? Do we have good karma? Uh, is it my best interest to trust them? I mean, I use dowsing when I hire people. All, everything you could possibly think of, you can, your life can be improved. The world can be made better if people could learn to douse and use this as an access to get the best quality information. Let's talk for a little bit about map dowsing. Map dowsing seems very complex to me because while it's fascinating, it seems like you have to be a real expert to do it effectively. Am I wrong here? You're wrong. Oh, good. I'm so <laughs> glad I'm wrong about this because... There are several people that are map dowsers and they teach map dowsing and they have a variety of different protocols. You triangulate this, you measure this, you do this. And what I believe, because I do map dowsing, as well, is that you can just go into the, you can develop some skill with it, go to the right place energetically, and just map. So a lot of times I'll just have people um, draw, okay, just draw me a, a kind of a blueprint of your house. It doesn't have to be architecturally designated. It could be just like, okay, here's one side, here's the other, and here's where the front door is, and here's where the back bedroom is. And I'll just, I'll just douse, okay, uh, I'll run my little run my finger or run a pencil or run a ruler or something down while I'm holding a pendulum or an L rod or something, and I'll say, show me if there's any detrimental uh, energy lines, if there's any underground streams or fault lines that are affecting the health of this person. I'll just go down there, find it, mark it, find it in another place, draw the line. Is it straight? Is it crooked or whatever? If it's an underground stream, it might be uh, it might be moving. Which direction is it going in? How deep is it and how serious is it to the health of that person? So there's a few things you can do or you can make it much more complicated if you want. You know how many people are asking right now and have been for the last, I don't know, 10 years, where should they move to? They have this feeling they should move, exactly. but they don't know where. 
and they're going crazy. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are wanting to move. Yes. But don't know where they're supposed to go. Pick up and move. There's a new place for you to go. Either there's some new opportunities or something wonderful that's going to be happening, or there's potential danger that might be coming, or any number. Maybe you're going to meet somebody that you need to meet, or maybe uh, there's going to be a a disaster or a fire or something in the area where you're at. Um, I I live where I live in northeast Arizona based on dowsing, and even down to the town, and it was just, well, this is here for a while, just recently moved to a new place that that I would never have thought, but it doused out appropriately. And literally, I was, after sitting here about five years, I was gifted, or, or whatever you want to say, by the universe, with a ranch that was for sale for a million and a half dollars, and I got it for less than um, 300000 And Incredible. that was just because of, um, you know, dowsing, and am I in the right place at the right time? Do you have a list of dowsers and their specialties on no, dowsers.org? We, we have a list on our website, or you could call the office and then you could ask uh, in different areas. And we're going to be doing a new program as well. I'll speak about that in a moment. We call it a dowser specialty list. So there are some people that are really good at some things, like move, removing negative energies or health dowsing. Some people specialize in water. Some people specialize in lost objects or lost pets. We had a fellow, he's a sky dowser now, named Ted Kaufman. This man was incredible. He worked with the, he was out of New York, I believe. He worked with the police on many missing people and uh, missing missing children and things like that. And he had an amazing, uh, amazing record with being able to find that, find those types of things. But yes, we call it the Dowser Specialty List. You can call the office. These are, uh, these are Dowsers that are members of the American Society of Dowsers, and they have areas that they're, they're particularly good in. And um, sometimes I'm good with lost objects. I'm not always, I'll always ask, first of all, for example, <clears throat> is, the, uh, is the object... Um, recoverable. Likely, yes, exactly. Likely to be recovered is a recoverable. And then I'll start asking, well, where is it at? Is it in, the, in their home? Is it in their yard? Is it in a vehicle? Is it on the top floor, the bottom floor of the room, the wherever? And I'll just give them a general idea where to go start checking again. And so sometimes I'm good at that. Sometimes I'm not. But you know, what have you got to lose? Have you ever gone on a radio show and dow something right on the spur of the moment? Because I was trained in, in, uh, with Dr. S- Dr. Jose Silva many, many years ago, how to access things from a distance, um, I don't have any problem dowsing things. Yeah, I'll dow something for you. If you well, can. no, I just thought it would be fun on the show to do it. And give a minute or two explanation of what is Silva Mind Control and Jose Silva so people have a context for him. Well, the word mind control has different meanings now, but this was a man from um, South Texas, a border town. Uh, and he was, he, he never went to public school except to receive honorary doctorates. And he had to quit, or either quit when he was very young or never went to school. And he used to sweep out barbershop. And there was, uh, you, people may remember there used to be these old magazines and on the back it would say, learn to be a radio technician or learn to be an artist or something like that. Send in a coupon today and take these classes. The man that owned the barbershop uh, wanted to have a certificate on the wall, and he said that he would pay for Jose to take this class 
if he would put it in Jose's name. He learned about radio technology. He later was in the military and was in communications. And then in an interest to learn about healing, he started studying about healing from all different parts of the world. And he found out that healers and people that were good at what we now call remote viewing, all had certain things in common. They would pretty much go into a lowered brave wave level frequency, etc. And he developed a system to teach people, he called it mind control at the time, silver mind control, uh, where they could go into a lowered brainwave level frequency, literally on the count of three, and be at that brainwave level frequency where they could, <clears throat> if you wanted to say dowsing, or you could um, program things, or you could access information, or you could send healing, or you could evaluate, we hate to say diagnose, but evaluate health problems with people or anything you wanted. <clears throat> it was taught all over the world. It was particularly popular in Central and South American countries. There are still, some of his children are still alive and teach, uh, teach it or variations of it. I was very fortunate to have trained with him directly and... Um, called silver mind control i think there's training still out there with it but it mostly teaches you because there are systems but often they're tied in with a lot of ritual and rigmarole and religion or meditation or you have to do this mantra or something this was a scientific method to go into a lowered brainwave level frequency on the count of three and do work from that level do people go into theta or alpha or beta or what alpha brainwave level frequency we would measure it with instrumentation in the class and for some people, they would go into a theta or delta. Now, one of wow. the exciting things about dowsing, I'm so glad you brought that up, Kim, is that we did some work with a laboratory several years ago, a, a, a dowsing project from our scientific advisor at that time. And what we found um, through this uh, laboratory, which didn't even really want to do the work for us, but we paid for it. It's like, oh, well, here comes some more psychics with some... <laughs> or weirdo, those crazy people, they're always checking stuff out. So the guy wasn't even particularly excited about doing the research, but what they did was bring in uh, a few, like three or four uh, skilled dowsers that they knew had some good, good track records of skilled dowsing, and they put them through these tests at the laboratory with the little electroprodes in their head and all the rest of this stuff, and what they find blew the man out of the water. What he found is something that he has never found before with anybody and absolutely changed the whole protocols for a lot of these laboratories. What they found is when a good dowser is in what they would call a dowsing state, they were in all four brainwave level frequencies simultaneously. So they would be in beta, alpha, theta, and delta with their eyes open. And we've got the scientific documentation. I've seen the the uh, the maps and everything like that where it shows the different parts of the brain activated when someone is in that state. Fascinating. Do you feel or know if that can be accessed through intent alone or what? You mean that state? Yes, because it's the integration of all four of the waves. Yes, but there were they showed up on a map like different geographic areas, like different states. Wow. The, the the pictures that I have would show, well, this is red and this is yellow and this is green. Do you see what I'm saying? Sure. How does one measure something like that? What are you using as the measuring device, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I don't know. This was done in a very uh, sophisticated and uh, highly, highly scientific laboratory that did that studied that kind of stuff. But that information, we've got that, we've got that af- information, that documentation. 
Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Now, you're off to travel today, aren't you? Yes, I'm going to Belize this afternoon, and uh, I'll just be gone about a week or so, and and then I'll be back and getting ready to go to the dowsing convention in uh, Canada, because Canada does a dowsing convention as well. Fantastic. I'll be the keynote up there for the Canadian Society of Dowsers, and then I'll be getting ready for our convention in June which is just delightful. So I invite everybody to come to that. We have such a good time. And if you're even slightly on the quantum physics or the shamanic or the weirdo side in terms of being uh, committed to the upliftment of mankind and doing the light work on the planet, this would be the place to be. I want to invite you back to its rainmaking time because I think we've scratched the surface, but you've shared so much. I thought I would pop you a question, something that's been driving me nuts for weeks. You have your pendulum with you. Uh, yes, I keep them everywhere. I used to <laughs> by the bathtub because people will call me and say, what about this and should I do this? I had a lawyer call me last night and I'm um, saying, the jury's doing this. What's the best way I could do to protect my client or how can I help these kids or something like that? So I pull the pendulum out and there I am. Now, this is a very kind of inane question, but I'll just tell the audience that I lost this beautiful, long, white, like a blouse jacket. That was very soft. I had bought it at Nordstrom's and I love it. And for the life of me, for six weeks, I haven't been able to find it. I don't know if I've lost it. A, is it recoverable? And B, is it in my house? And C, is it in my car? I can't find it in my car, but you never know because sometimes I lose things and they're right in front of me. <laughs> right. Okay. So you wouldn't, for me, you wouldn't even have to give me much of a description. You could have just said, um, I have this. Uh, this white silk jacket thing that I've misplaced or I've lost. Yeah, it's not silk, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah okay. okay. So what So what I'm doing, let me just explain. I'm tapping in on what you're holding in your mind. And when you say my mind, you don't mean my conscious mind. Yeah, your conscious mind. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because you have a picture in your mind. I don't have a picture. I can make some up. But you have a picture in your mind of that article of clothing. Okay, I do. Like if you were saying... Well, I want to check on this guy that I want to date or I want to check on this housekeeper that I want to hire. You would have a picture in your mind or a resume in your mind of that. Okay. So I would just ask to connect with that. Do you understand what I'm sure. saying? Sure. Okay. So now, and I'm just asking my basic questions here. Can I douse for this for Kim? May I? Yes. And should I? Yes. Okay. And I ask another question. To what degree am I in alignment? And I'm getting on in alignment. Okay, now let's ask if that article of clothing that you have in mind is recoverable. recoverable. Ooh, I'm getting a no on that. I wonder if you, you know, that's what I got when I doused and I was upset and I didn't want to believe it. <laughs> yes, I'm getting no. Could you have left it in a, what, let me ask here now, was it stolen? No. Did she leave it somewhere? I'm getting that, Kim. Could, did, did you wear it to a restaurant or at someone's home or something like that? Yeah, it could have been at my friend's home in San Pedro. Let's see. Is it something that she left or inadvertently left there? Nope. Try again. In a restaurant. Yes. I had a feeling. Shoot. 
Shoot. Sorry about that. Oh, my God. I love that. I See, I got that answer, and I was upset. I didn't like that answer. <laughs> we try to teach people to, t- to trust their first answers because sometimes when people keep dowsing, like, what do you want? You just just go make it up if you're just going to keep trying to douse and get the answer you want. See, okay, I'm glad we're sorry doing this that. live. I'm, I'm glad sorry. I'm, I'm totally universe gets you a better one. Thank you so much. You know, I wanted to do this live with you and the audience knows I wouldn't concoct something ahead of time. Let's do one more thing. I'm on my way to Spain next week for two weeks. Okay. Am I going to Lourdes, France, to the water of Lourdes? Okay. Now let me, let me explain a little bit. When we were dowsing about your, your article of clothing that was between you and the article of clothing. There wasn't like a whole lot of other people's higher selves and things involved. And that was something that actually has happened in the past. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. About going to Lourdes, now what you're dealing with is future possibilities. Right. This is a different thing. This is not an absolute. You know, in shaman, in, in shaman training, we were taught there's probabilities and there's possibilities. So I will douse what is the likelihood or what's the highest percentage of likelihood that you will go to Lourdes, okay? Yes, on this trip to Spain. On this trip to Spain, what's the likelihood that she will actually travel to Lourdes? Actually, it's a pretty good chance. Let me, I'm going to do it on a percentage basis. 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 65, 66, 67%. Now, let me ask another question. To what degree would that be in her highest and best good to, uh, if, if the potential opens up for her to travel to Lourdes? And I'm getting that would be 100% your best interest. And the likelihood is that's just, like I said, 60-some percent. Yeah, because it's been coming up. But I don't have plans. I don't have any plans. Never, I- no. I mean, I've heard of Cradle Mutual for 15 years, and it was at a dinner party after... Uh, Michael Tellinger's Consciousness and UFO com- com- Conference that he held there, the dinner party with probably 100 people, and somebody just came up and said, would you have any interest in going to see Cradle Mutual? And I never in a thousand years thought I would ever have the opportunity to meet with that man, and it came to pass. You just never know. You have to just be open to the possibilities. And Sure. Yeah, I want to give two applications to you as president of the American Society of Dowsers for applications for dowsing. You probably already know them, but I just wanted to share them with you in the audience. Okay. One is sometimes you will find lost animals and you don't know how old they are. You can douse how old they are, what month they were born. Oh, you mean like rescue animals? Well, I got a rescue animal named Danny. Okay. And the guy had said who was not very centered. I'll just say this. I don't want to put him down. But anyway, he was not together. He had a lot of problems. He drank a lot and all that. And there could be a lot of wrong information. But he said she was five. But I got a no on that. But I'm just saying to you, for rescues and all that, sometimes you're not going to know. You'll have no information. So the cool thing is you could find out the month, the date, the year. You can find out the month, the date, the year. You can find out if they've been vaccinated. You can find out if they have a microchip. Yes. You can find out if they've been traumatized, if they were beaten or abused, if they need some, like, emotion code work or something like that. You could find out if their owner's actually looking for them and wants them back or doesn't want them. You could find out if they escaped from an abusive situation. You could find out everything about them. Yes. That's so cool. The other you thing is... You've known them in a past life. 
<laughs> For sure, I have known my Danny in a past life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually a girl, and the guy named her a Danny, so I changed it to an IE instead of a Y. I said, she is very, very French. The other thing I was thinking is, have you ever thought that maybe it would be a good idea to douse the fundraising efforts of the American Society of Dowsers in the area of Water for Humanity to douse where the funders are, where the locations are in the world where people are most receptive to putting up money and getting this thing going at a whole big other level. Great idea. I will send a notice out this afternoon to my board of trustees, tell them to get a map out and let's get going. I think sometimes one is so preoccupied with putting the general frame of reference out about something that they forget to use it for their own purposes and expansion areas. I think this is a critical thing for expanding your fundraising efforts and the manifestation side of getting the funding. It takes too long to get money for something that should not even be a question. Shouldn't be a question. Everybody's entitled to clean water. Exactly. I had done this beautiful commercial because I had made a commitment to make water available in developing nations and around the world, both commercially and philanthropically. And I did this beautiful commercial. So I'm aligned with what you're doing, what you're trans... That's why we say integrity in our mission statement. Yes. It's everything. And the stewardship of what you have in front of you And what you're stewarding is also so important. You're holding all of this so that the highest good could happen for the dowsing societies. They're going to need to be dowsers all over the world that are at a very high level to make water available. And then the issue of the communication from the dowsers who are effective at dowsing water to the drillers, that is huge. And so we need to pray for and call in the drillers all over the world who are receptive and ready for cooperation, because this is the key. Whatever we have to do to do that on a high level, which I know you already know, but that's where all the prayer really needs to go is that all of the drillers all over the world that are ready for total cooperation, ancient and new knowledge to be brought forth and to work both with modern industrial capability, obviously with the drills and utilize and appreciate this ancient methodology. This is where it's at. Yes. And then we do have some dowsers that are drillers. So some have uh, incorporate both of them, but there is you know, there's a there's a breach between that in many cases in many places. Yes. It doesn't make any difference. They just drill another hole for another $10,000 if they don't really have the integrity or they haven't been educated about that. But there's so there's enough work for everybody. Of course. There's enough there's enough need for everybody. Let's just all get the horses hitched to the wagon exactly. in the same direction. Exactly. And I don't blame the drillers because their thinking and their training was that they're just there to drill whether they find water or not. They are demotivated to find it quickly due to how much money they make. This is a problem. It's actually a different business to be a driller than somebody who's in the business of finding water. Totally different. So we need to call upon those people and everybody that's ready to rock and roll. And it is such a divine pleasure and an honor to talk with you. Thank you so much. I just, I believe that we have a sacred mission. I mean, I went from being just a, a member of ASD because I thought, God, these people are doing important work and this is important stuff. We got to tell everybody in the world about this. To becoming the president in less than a year. That has never happened 
in any way, shape, or form, and then to be the first woman. I mean, there had been a couple women that uh, the president had been a man, and then he died or left, and so they were a president for a few months or something. But to be elected to be a woman, to be president of this, I mean, I was like, come on, God, you must have some plan here going on. And it was like, well, I can get excited. I can get passionate. I can hold hold the vision of things at galactic levels. And I, you know, I, I'm on this planet because I've got some important work to do. And right now this is my assignment. And I invite everybody else to make sure that everybody's got some clean water to drink. Because without water, we're, we're, we're nothing. We're nothing. I really want to thank you. And for those of you who are listening, if you go to dowsers.org, D-O-W-S-E-R-S.org, sign up for the American Society of Dowsers, become a member, support their work, Support the work of Water for Humanity. This is something that if you really want to think about tithing, if you really want to think about doing God's work, here it is. It doesn't matter what religion you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. Giving people clean drinking water is where it's at. And the continuation of this beautiful ancient art and science is imperative. Thank you so much, Sandy Mack. Thank you, Kim. And thank you for what you're doing on the planet. Thank you. It just makes it so much easier for the rest of us. God bless you all, all your listeners too, because your website is amazing. Thank you very much. And I would like to say it's rainmaking time with you and call in all the people that are ready right now around the world. Are you ready? Calling in the sky dowsers too. I did a little (laughs) meditation before and I said, not only the sky dowsers, but all the ancient dowsers. My pendulum swung for about three minutes without stopping. (laughs) It's rainmaking time. Forever and all times. Can I hear you say it's rainmaking time? It's rainmaking time. Rainmaking time. It's rainmaking time. 